Welcome to the Luminous Podcast, weekly meditations, readings, and blessings to assist with our rest, peace, and spiritual wellness. You can find out more at LuminousAnglican.com. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O oh God, my rock, my redeemer. You may have a seat. Good morning. It's good to be with all of you. We have like a full house today. This is fun. And there's the most delicious baby in the back if any of you need to Google over it because it's just adorable. Um, how are we? Are we good? We're here? Um, this morning, I'm really excited to invite us to experience this really beloved story of the loaves and fishes. I think it's one thing to read about it, to know about it. Um, for those of us who grew up in maybe a more conservative um, flannel graph um, board Jesus, we know all the loaves and fishes and the disciples and the baskets. Um, but I'm really excited to invite us to experience and put ourselves in this story this morning. And so as we do that, I know that so much of this story is about a miracle it's about Jesus taking um, the little that we have and multiplying it and making it more than enough. Um, but it's also about comparison. It's also about fear. It's also about this tenacious trust in this Jesus that people are still trying to figure out who he is and what he's about. It's about soul nourishment. And so our, um, the beloved Saint Ignatius he talks about, um, you know, really experiencing God in all things. And as he was the creator of the spiritual exercises, he's also one that really invited us to into this idea of imaginative prayer, which really is just going through the scriptures of Jesus and putting ourselves in the story. What did it, what did it feel like to be in the crowd that day? What were we hearing? What smells were there? I mean, 5,000 people, that's probably a lot of stinkiness. They did not have showers, y'all. Um, what did it feel like to just to be there? What do you notice in your body? How do you come? And so a lot of that I want to just invite us just to consider for a moment is how do you show up this morning in this space? How do you come? When you put yourself in the story of Jesus and the loaves and fishes, I want you to imagine he had just come hearing that his cousin, who he dearly loved, had just been beheaded. He is like raw in grief. And these people are following him, and if I were him, I would have been like, y'all need to leave me alone. And his disciples are like, what do we do? He's like, feed them. Let's feed them. Let's feed them with what they have. And so I want you to imagine that you are one of those people that has heard that Jesus is here, and you just want to be near him. You want to see what he's all about. You want to come to understand him. You're eager to be with him. How do you come? Maybe you're coming in the back and you're seeing that all these people, somehow, they did not have Twitter. I don't know how they found out, but they knew that he was coming. And so there's crowds in front of you. There are hundreds, there are thousands of people, and you're in the back. And you're noticing everybody's coming, and they're starting to, like, hand out food. Let's take a closer look with our imaginations. What posture do you come with? What emotions do you have? What thoughts are swirling about? 
What do you notice in your body as you come to see who this Jesus is? This has everything to do with how you enter the story because it's true and it's honest. It's how you show up in this moment right now. And so I want you to imagine, maybe you come with fear. Maybe you come with a little bit of scarcity, like I think they're gonna run out of food. Like for sure that's not gonna feed all of these people. Scarcity is a real thing. We have it in our family. Some of us worry that there's not gonna be enough banana pudding for everybody. This is a very legit concern. But it's deeper than more than food. It's, is there enough of Jesus to go around, right? Does he see me? Does he care? Is there gonna be enough? Will the disciples share? At some point, will they just stop handing out food? We fear others have more because inwardly we believe that something is lacking inside of us. And so that's where fear comes from. We're lacking, there's a scarcity, there's not enough. And maybe that's how you come today. And if you do, that's okay, because it's honest. Maybe you come with expectancy, with this voracious desire that you were hoping that Jesus is the one, that he is actually the Christ, that this person that you're hearing talk about and you're hearing that he's doing miracles, maybe like he really is the one that is coming to bring hope and grace and meet you where you are. And that might feel scary. It might be scary to hope in a season where maybe you haven't experienced a lot of hope. Maybe you come with try-hard trauma, trying so dang hard in every area of your life, trying to get the next job, trying to save your marriage, trying to heal, trying to get over an addiction, trying to find community, trying to find a church that feels safe to show up messy. That try-hard trauma leaves us exhausted, right? If I show up really as I am, will God accept me? So maybe you show up today and you are burnt out and you are tired. You are tired from the try-hard trauma and you're looking around at all these people going, I, I don't know, has anybody else experienced why, what I'm experiencing? Does anybody else know my story? Maybe you feel exposed like you're in a glass house and everybody can see you and that leaves you feeling a little bit flaily and weak and messy. Maybe it's just better to keep on doing the try-hard trauma and avoid vulnerability. Maybe you come hopeful. You're sure you have this intuitive sense that this Jesus is real and that his message is good and you're okay just like being by the gate. Like, I don't even need to be in the crowd in the back. I'll just be okay sitting outside. I'll take a crumb. I'll take like a tiny piece of fish. I don't even need to take anything. Let everybody else go. I just want to be close to him in this area. You're hopeful. Maybe you're a little bit hopefully cautious too. How do you keep hope alive? We notice all these postures and all the questions that come with it. Because this story, while again, it's about loaves and fishes and it's about miracles and nourishment. It's also about that interior journey that when we experience being with Jesus, it overflows into this natural like fuel to then share 
and appreciate it and want others to experience it as well. Maybe you show up feeling like you need to jump in and help the disciples hand out food. Maybe you're used to being the one that serves, that volunteers, that that's all you know. And so you're like, um, hey, um, Peter, I, I will grab a basket and you just, what is the magic code to make these loaves and fishes multiply? I'm on it. And you're like up, up in the front and Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You don't have to work for this. You just get to come and receive. Maybe you come in that posture and that feels really uncomfortable for some of you who are used to serving because that's how you are known and Jesus is coming to serve you. Maybe you come like I was um, very aware of last night and you come with some comparison. Oh, the people in the front, they must be fill in the blank. Fancier, more successful, smarter, richer, cooler, whatever the word is. We have students that just started schools on Friday. You guys, adults do this too, we compare. It's not just you, you're not like, hey, they have the coolest shoes. So last night we were at, our son is on a cross country for Indy. We went to this huge dinner that they had and it was in this beautiful home in Franklin. And as we pulled up the comparison bug, like it, it hit you out of nowhere, right? And I'm like, I could fit our entire house in their bathroom. <laughs> like their lawn, their front lawn is like bigger than our neighborhood. And all of a sudden the comparison thoughts came up that I imagine I would feel if I was showing up in this story too. Like, what do I need to do to um, be near Jesus? Um, okay, these other people, they must, they must get the hidden agenda. They must have gotten the memo before. Um, something's, you know, like it's, it's like the desolation drain that we go down, right? And we start to compare. All of a sudden I'm like, they're richer. They owe, they have a private jet. Their kids are much happier. Their marriage is perfect because their house is nice. And here's the thing, they are the most lovely, generous souls, but we compare ourselves and we put ourselves at a, at a level higher than people or a level lower than people. And God like levels the playing field. Like that is what Jesus is like all about. He's like, you don't have to compare because I'm coming to comfort you when you are so tempted to compare. Maybe you come ready for a new way. Maybe you come ready for a Jesus who comes to you rather than you having to work so hard to go find him. I've had so many conversations this last week. I know I think of this one particular soul and she's, she's really wrestling right now with like who the Jesus that people have told her is and then who the real Am I doing this right, Daryl? See, he tells me I move a lot. I can't help you guys. I can't help, but I'm so sorry. I'm like, um, but she said, who is the Jesus that people have said, this is who he is. And she's like, there has to be a different way. I'm so tired of trying to find him. Would he actually be one who comes to me? If I can just sit here and be in his goodness and swim in his goodness and receive his comfort, is that the Jesus that I can know? And that is the Jesus that is in this story. That is what he wants us to experience. That when we start to compare and we start to look around and find ourselves lacking, that he is saying, I'm coming to you to offer you comfort.
all throughout scripture, what does it say? Let the little children come to me. Come and I will make you fishers of men and women. Come to me if you're tired and weary and I will give you a load off. I will unburden you. But before he invites us to come, he says, I have come to give you life and give life to the fullest. I'm coming to you to give you life. And what is life? Life is those spontaneous, unplanned, beautiful moments where Jesus shows up in the most simplest of mundane, tiny details. Where have you experienced him offering you and coming to you with life this week? Just yesterday after the rainstorm, my husband went out and he found this like gorgeous butterfly that was feeding off of one of the flowers in our garden. And I went out there and I think I just stared at her for like 20 minutes. Like she was just magical. That is life coming to you. It's a sunset. It's a walk. It's a porch conversation that's just honest and authentic. It's tears that come out of nowhere, which is always God's way of prompting and moving and stirring and healing. How is Jesus coming to you and coming to give you life to the fullest? Yes, he comes in loaves and fishes, and he comes in presence, and he comes in compassion and soul nourishment. But friend, he's also coming to you. He is coming to you right now in this very moment to give you life to the fullest. And our invitation is simply to receive his comfort, to sit in the back with all the people that are waiting to be handed a loaf and a fish, a smile and an embrace, and to just receive his comfort. He comes so that we will receive in our fear, that we will receive in our try-hard trauma, in our depletion, in our exhaustion, in our depression. He comes even when we have all of these huge hopes that we literally don't know what to do with, these big dreams. He comes to us and this is the miracle. It's not the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. It's Jesus coming to you. He is the miracle. He is the life abundant. One of my favorite devotionals is the oldie but goodie, The Streams in the Desert, which I'll have you know, as a fan of women, back in the days when she wrote this, the author, they had to use her initials, similar to how J.K. Rowling did. But I will have you know that that beloved devotional is written by a woman. So thank you for her. Um, side note. But the other day she had this, um, this beautiful quote, and I, I think one of the things I love about sitting with the homily and as we all prepare is we have time because it's always consistent. So I've just like been living in these loaves and fishes for a good while now. And it said this quote in there and it said, Jesus does not comfort you to make you comfortable, but to make you comforters. Jesus does not comfort you to make you comfortable, but to make you comforters. That is what this story is about. 
is about when we eat and we experience his soul nourishment and his comfort and his presence, we can't help but appreciate it so much that we want to overflow that to the people around us. It has to come from an experienced, embodied, integrated, can you tell I'm getting very passionate right now, like congruent space. It is not enough to recite and memorize scripture. We have to live into it. We have to join Jesus in the work where he is bringing life and life to the fullest. And so I just want to invite you into this story for a bit. I want to invite you into what St. Ignatius calls imaginative prayer. And if it's new for some of you, I totally honor that. Um, but I want to invite you just to close your eyes for a moment. And if you don't want to close your eyes, you're welcome to look up at the cross. But I want you to put yourself in this story of the loaves and fishes. I want you to imagine walking up. I want you to imagine the dirt that you smell and the sandals that are in front of you scraping along the, the road. And I imagine you hear children chattering and laughing while they're running around. Their kids are trying to get them back in line. You smell bread and fishes being passed around from the front to the back. What do you notice? What emotions are present? Do you come with fear, with try-hard trauma, with hope and expectancy? What do you notice in your body as you're watching the food being handed out? You're waiting. You see Jesus at the front. You see him smiling out at the crowd and catch your eyes and look at you with such delight. What do you need from him right now? What do you need from Jesus? And then I want you to imagine that you're sitting there and you feel a tap on your shoulder. And you look to your left, and there is Jesus with a big old grin on his face. And he says, I have been waiting for you to come. And he gives you a hug. He grabs your face and he says, I just love you so much. And then he winks with this twinkle in his eye and he pulls out of his pocket some fish and chips. Comfort, soul nourishment, food. And then he asks you to hand them to the people down the row. And as you do, they multiply and they become more and you see the smiles broaden and the gasps. What does this do for where you are right now? Being with him, him coming to you in a crowd in a sea of people. What does his comfort compel you to do? I just want you to linger here for a bit. I want you to tuck this moment of consolation away.
And as you open your eyes. In spiritual direction, we call this transformation. Being with Jesus, experiencing his goodness, receiving his comfort and his presence. In therapy, we call this word the crucible. It's that refining, it's that melting away all the extra to get to like the really good, rich, transformed nugget of who we're becoming. Because here's the reality, we're all going to experience those moments that we showed up with again today, right? Desolation is going to come, whether it's comparison or try-hard trauma or exhaustion or grief. And we're going to need those moments that we can tuck back in like we did today and remember, wait, hold on, I don't have to work so hard. Jesus is coming to me to offer comfort. And when I experience that and when I live into that and I receive his life to the fullest, I can't help but want to offer that to other people, sometimes without words. He comes through comfort, through life, through nature, through butterflies, through banana pudding. He comes brimming with miracles because he is the greatest miracle. He has, he's this, there's not even words for how he combines divinity and mystery into this beautiful ball of life. He comforts us not to make us comfortable, to, but to make us comforters. And because we experience his care, we are motivated to, we are motivated to appreciate his gifts, to really appreciate his gifts. May they be loaves and fishes. May they be compassion and mercy. How are we appreciating his comfort and his nearness? Last Thursday was the day before school started back for our kids and I had these like grand plans and then it like dumped rain. And so the boys and I watched Mr. Holland's opus. Have you guys seen that? It's like so, I'm mm, so good. And there was a line in the, in the middle of the movie and this music, it's about this music teacher who comes to kind of, you know, he wants to write this, um, he, he's a pianist, he's, he's writing, help me with the words here, music people, what is he writing? Well, he's writing a symphony? Thank you, thank you. Can you tell I'm not a music person? It's fine. He's writing things on a sheet. Um, so he's teaching so that he can, in his spare time of teaching, write this symphony. And he ends up falling in love with these, these kids and like empowering them to love and appreciate music. And he has this one kid who is so brilliant, but he's just naughty. He's just naughty. Um, and he comes up after and he was basically like, what, what is going on right now? And the, and the kid said, listen, I know... I know all the notes, I know all the music, I know all the things. And he said, yes, but what is this class called? It's called music appreciation. You're not appreciating any of this. And it was this moment that I thought, I think that's what this whole story of loaves and fishes is about. Yes, it's about comfort and it's about receiving, but it's about appreciating that God is the one who does the miracles. And when we take a posture of appreciation, it changes everything. It changes everything. 
And so in closing, I'd love to share a poem with you. It's called Appreciate. Appreciate this invitation as a call to move toward appreciation. The steady, long haul where value is forged over time. Appreciate a tender lens of gratitude, an intention to honor what is, a recognition of full worth held with deep regard for this loaf, this fish, this person, this moment, this breath, this pain, this longing, this gift, this gem of a full life, held with honesty and sacred hunger, revealing delicate beauty, found through appreciating. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you would like more information or ways to be a part of Luminous, please go to luminousanglican.com. Peace be with you.